her ghost story about her resident ghost, which appeared and made some noises in 1968. Right. Um, Maybe we should go through a little bit what you were telling me about the history of this house. It was okay, the house was built in, um, we, we presume, around 1834 by Mr. Reuben Baldwin. Okay. And um, he came here. Um, the first, in 1826, he had a daughter, Lucy Ann, and she died in 1831 at the age of five years old. Now, we did not know about this child at this time, not until after our experience and we started to research uh, our story. It was in 1968, and how I remember that date is that our uh, daughter Susan was six years old, and she was attending the Townsend Kindergarten. And um, one night, it was, I believe, December 15th or 16th, that my husband went to a meeting down at the town hall <clears throat> in reference to what I cannot recall. However, he bid it me farewell, and I closed and locked the door as he left, the dining room door. Now, is that the door to the outside? Yeah, that's that door right okay, there. the front door. No, that's the side door. The front door is in the All front right, of so the house. Door. Yeah, it had a two doors, a kitchen door and a dining okay. room door. Let's get the right door here. Side okay. door, I guess you can say. That year, for some reason, we did not remove the screen door. Mm -hmm. So before locking the main door, I hooked the screen door. Okay. Then I proceeded to lock the wooden door. Put the children to bed, of which we have three girls. Got them all snuggled down, then went into the living room to watch a bit of TV. At the time, we had a little dog named Scruffy, and Scruffy was curled up at my feet. The children were sound asleep, and it was about quarter of 11, or maybe quarter of 10, I don't remember which. Uh, maybe this file article will tell you, yeah, but anyway, that. I was watching TV, and um, we heard it simultaneously, the dog and myself. The key, you could hear the key in this door turn and like steps on the floor. In other words, your attention was brought. I thought there was someone trying to get into the house. And then I thought, well, how can that be? I have the key inside the house. Like here. There so was the, key, key. the key. The key was in the was, door, was just like, like it is there. But you heard the key turn. Turn. And you heard steps. And the dog, well, like a... Um, on the floor, you say steps. I, I didn't hear somebody walking up. But you heard some court. thumps on the I floor. I heard, yes. There okay. was a, a sound. I, they're very hard to describe. Yeah. And um, 
I just sat there. And the dog heard it, but she never barked. Hmm. So I came out from the living room to the center hall, and I looked across, and I said to the dog, you're going out the front door, which I opened up the front door, because I figured if somebody was out there, she'd bark, and that way if they were over here, I'd get a chance to close and lock the front door. She never barked, so then I figured to myself, well, there can't be anybody out there, so I'll investigate a little further. <laughs> and I came over to the door, and the key was out of the, the lock and hanging like this. And as I walked closer, I guess the vibration of the floor tipped the key and it, it went down onto the floor. And um, okay. the door was opened. It was no longer locked. And I, I took it and I opened it. But yet the screen door was still hooked as I had done it. Mm -hmm. So I closed the door and I brought, went back in the living room and uh, I, I just sat there until Carl came home from the, his meeting and I told him my um, experience and he said, you know, what can I say? He, he just, yeah, yeah, you know, he just sort of. <laughs> And we went to bed. That was that. The next morning, the children were still sound asleep. And he came down around, oh, we got up around 5, 5.30. And he came down, and we were eating our breakfast. And all of a sudden, we start hearing a newborn baby cry. And it was came right from the room above the dining room. Now, is that a bedroom? That's a bedroom. Is it one of your kids' rooms? Nope, it was our room, as a matter of fact. The children were in other rooms in the house. I suppose that could be the room where the baby was born? Ah, uh, that's what I think it was, yeah. yeah. And the baby cried, and we just looked at one another. And none of our children... The youngest one at the time was three, so therefore she, two or three, she couldn't, she didn't have a cry. I mean, a newborn baby has a distinctive cry. Oh, yeah. And Carl looks at me, I look at him, and we both get up and we run to the staircase. Well, every time you, you get to the staircase, or that time, which was the first time, it stopped. So, was it loud? Yes, it was really crying. I mean, so he said, I think that has to be a spirit because of what happened the night before. This was just between the two of us. So the next, he went off to work, and Karen went off to school, and uh, Susie, I drove her over to the kindergarten in Townsend, and I came home, and I was working here in the kitchen, and all of a sudden it was 11.30, and it was time to go back and get Susie from kindergarten. Well, I had to put Lee, who I said was then, she's four years younger than Susie, so she must have been two. Okay. And uh, 
I had to put her in her snowsuit. So I had we had a, our table in the center of our kitchen at the time, and I had her sitting on the kitchen table, and I was tugging on her, putting her snowsuit on, and all of a sudden, this baby started crying again. So instead of running for the staircase, I just stood here, and for I, I really don't know how long, probably a minute or so, and it cried and cried. And I slowly this time went to the staircase, like I was going to sneak up on this. But the minute you hit the staircase, boom, it stops. Again. Did you get up on the staircase or just no, get to, just to the staircase to the and edge of it. grab the banister to go up it and it would stop. And that was the second time that happened. So that was... Now did Lee hear it? Lee heard it, too, and... How did you explain it to Lee? Well, I told Lee that maybe it was a, a, our kitty cat up there, because I really didn't know how to explain it. <laughs> I wouldn't either. But then the, we heard nothing for, oh, the kids came home at Christmas came and went because this was like the 15th or the 16th of December when we first heard it. Then the kids came home for Christmas. And uh, uh, during that week between Christmas and New Year's, we were all here eating lunch. Carl was off to work, but the children and myself were here, and all of a sudden, that baby starts crying again. Well, this time, not only did I hear it, but all the children heard it. And Karen says, Mommy, I hear a baby crying. So she was two years older, and she was eight years old. Susie, I mean, so they really heard it, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and they those children, you could maybe under have them understand. So I said, it kept crying and crying. And so I said, oh, just a second. And I went in to go up the stairs again and boom, it stops. So I came back in the kitchen and Karen said to me, mommy, what was it? And I said, oh, it's the television. <laughs> So she gets up and she runs in, and it was an easy off oven commercial, and I'll never forget it. And she said, Mommy, no baby's crying. So that was the last time we ever heard a baby cry. However, after that, and I couldn't tell you the dates, I can't, it was just an off and on thing again. Yeah. This door we'd lock it and it would be open. We'd come home from shopping and it would be open. Uh, we had a stove here, a mm -hmm. gas stove at the time, and all of a sudden, usually the right back right hand gas would come on. You never knew when it was going to come on. It just would come on. So we had to be very careful never to leave anything on the stove. Yeah. Um, now, one time, I remember, we went on a vacation, and Carl put a barricade on the door. He put a big two-by-four from the wall by the fireplace over to the door, 
and we locked the door and when we came home the barricade was still there but the door was unlocked two weeks after our vacation and then as I say maybe that lasted a year and we've never had another I've never heard another thing from this little voice and that's when after this week that we started to look up and we found that Lucy Ann was be born December 15th see and yeah. that's so then we started from 1826 to 1966 that there's nothing we can come up to why that little spirit would come back here or anything yeah there's no there's no set, certain set of no. um of years no, or anything no. and then have the date she died yeah she died and if you go down the cemetery which i did mm -hmm. she has a tombstone it's a family one and she died october 23rd which is my husband's birthday that's funny 1831. you never heard anything on october 23rd no i've never heard anything after that interesting just that one year how did she die did you have any we clues? can't find out how she died either she was five years old whether she died of you know like some illness yeah, or yeah right probably you was. know if there was a lot of crying it would almost make one think but newborn, but the newborn baby, no. see? yeah we're talking about her birth right. and her death yeah yeah interesting so it's a really good that's a that's a great story um, well then there's a another mr rockwood mm -hmm lived here and this I've never told to anybody until now uh, because um, Andrew Rockwood died in this house and mm -hmm. I believe he died of typhoid really mm, yeah typhoid came was in Townsend and it spread over into Brookline and it killed a good amount of the population around what year is this do you yeah. have any sense well he died in 1889 okay. I believe it, this book is a little in one page it says he died in 1888 and the other one he died in 1889 but it was March 1st whatever okay but we we have I don't know if he died in the master bedroom because every once in a while you will have a presence that there's somebody in the house and you'll smell cigar smoke and if you go it disappears and I mean, several people have smelt cigar smoke. And no one now, here smokes cigars. No. Now, I have never, I've slept in that bedroom with our grandchildren. It, we've used it as a guest room over the years. And I've had some people that wake up in the middle of the night and they'll come down and kiddingly say, do you have a spirit? We couldn't sleep last night or somebody we felt was looking down upon us. And... I just say, well, the only spirit I knew about. However, you do have a presence at times that there might be somebody here with you. And you might hear the stairs once in a while, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. It's not interesting there. It smells cigar smoke. Yep. Well, I, I have read where people have smelt tobacco and also perfume, and it only lasts a second. Now, I'd be, I, how am I, I never know if this man smokes cigars or not. But, that I never even, I really never paid too much attention to it until this summer, when 
two women knocked on my door, and they were the Bachman girls. They were raised here. They spent their whole childhood here. And they were visiting the area, and they came here, to, and they introduced themselves. They're sitting on the porch, and they said, have you ever been visited by <laughs> Mr. Rockwood? <laughs> and I said, no, well, yes, now that you say so. I've had this couple encounters with this, like, cigar smoke and a presence, and we've had people sleep in that room and were very uneasy. But, so they used to hear them, and they had the same experiences. And the their cigar smoke? Uh, no, they didn't smell the cigar smoke, but they did feel a presence of them. Um, they had it to where in the room, um, you didn't want to be in there. Uh, they said that their mother was very sensitive to, to them. And it, it would only happen occasionally, and then they would say, well, that's Andy walking around again. I mean, that's how they put it. Was his name Andrew? Andrew. And um, they sort of just made a little joke of it. So that's... But they, they did feel something. Yeah, interesting. They, they felt something. Well, it makes you realize yeah. you're not, you know, crazy. Oh, no. Okay. At first I thought, when it first happened, um, I didn't tell anybody. And then we went to a Christmas party in town. And... Somebody said to me, I had told maybe Linda Holmes or a friend, I forget now, Doris Jensen or somebody, and they said, oh, how's your ghost? Well, then, everybody, what ghost? And then you learn from other people experiences they've had with funny feelings and sensations, and some people have even seen visions of people. Yeah, can you remember who some of those people are? Well, Margaret Doherty, for yeah, one. Yeah, I, I did hear, I guess Miriam put me onto her. Yeah. I, I called them yesterday. They're in Georgia for three weeks. And but also um, Cindy Fotler. Oh, no kidding. Mm -hmm. Let's call somebody. And I can't remember who the other people were. But, I mean, I've read since then, and I, I certainly believe in a spirit world. I well, mean, I, I, um, I don't, I don't believe in, um, well, religion too much as we have religion but I certainly believe that there's something well, I, don't I think know a lot of these things is, you can't explain no, and you I can't think explain. you know you can't explain them and to say so there it isn't it, it I mean I know what happened to me and I'm not an alarmist and I'm not a storyteller and I'm not a person that makes up things yeah. uh, but that happened, and we all heard it. Yeah. And, you know, people say, oh, maybe it was squirrels, and maybe... No, it wasn't. It was a newborn baby crying, and that was... You know, yeah. you just knew that. Yeah. And... Oh, front of this machine. And um, he was telling me something about it. He didn't know too much. But apparently, again, it had to do with babies, which I thought was interesting. Um, it seemed to be that, that she had seen a vision of a woman yep. rocking a baby um, in their house, which I believe is owned by the Griffings now. Right. Um, so I'd be interested to talk to Cindy, too. It would be interesting if, you know, there... Well, I think hers was related to... They, they saw a vision of a lady leaning over their baby's crib. Well, that's interesting. That's interesting. 
now. Um, so that might because uh, I know Margaret's son said that this all happened to them back when he was a baby. And it was either when he was. I he think it was her daughter Rosanna that saw. I don't know, but I know that Margaret told me yeah. that because. I'll have to talk but to him. It was interesting that once that came out, that all these other people, yeah. and everybody was afraid that everyone would laugh at them or say, you're a little... Dotty, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, and then another thing, I mean, I can't believe this, but we own the color shop in Wilton. Right. And that building, we bought it knowing it was haunted. I mean... <laughs> this is good. I, and now I almost sound like... Uh -huh. But we bought it, and we did, well, we, we knew um, there's jails in the bottom of the, our building. There were or there are? There are, there are. old, old jail cells from 18-something. And we, we bought the building, and, I mean, it's gone from way down from 18, whenever the, 1820-something, I think, the building was up, and it survived all the fires of Wilton. I believe it's the oldest building now on Main Street. And when we bought it, people would say, well, have you heard of the ghost yet, or has the ghost introduced himself to you yet? And we didn't, we said no, we hadn't felt anything. But you take people down the cellar there, and they you never even tell them, and they'll say, I can't stay here, I have to get out of here. And they go running up the stairs. Now, I can go down the cellar and feel nothing. Interesting. However, on the store floor, mm -hmm. you have a strong presence and of somebody in the store several times a week, I mean, this ghost or, or spirit, as I'll call them, is really active. And you'll think someone is in the store, and you'll go around to go wait on them, and there's no one there. And you can hear somebody actually walking on the floor. And if I'm there framing, mm -hmm. you can feel them actually looking over your shoulder. I mean, that's how real. And we hired this girl and never told her, no one ever told her there was a ghost there or anything. And one day she said to my husband, not long after she started there, oh, somebody's in the store. And Carl said, no, there isn't. And then she'd say, well, somebody's looking over my shoulder. And then Carl says, do you believe in the spirit world? This is our ghost. I'd like you to meet him. What his name is, we don't know. And up above is an apartment. Mm -hmm. And we rented that out. And all of a sudden, the girl couldn't stand to live there anymore. She just had to move. And she said that she would... Her record player would come on, and uh, her books would, she'd go up there, and her book, she knew she left it on the table, and it would not be there, it would be elsewhere, and all these things happened. So she moved out, and our daughter moved into the apartment. Which daughter now? This is Lee, who Lee? was two okay. years, 20-some yeah. years, and I think she was like 
18 at the time. And um, she moved in, and one night she calls up around 4 o'clock in the morning, and she said, to, I answered the phone and I said, hello? And she said, Mommy, I'm in the closet. She said, there's somebody in the apartment. Carl went up and there was absolutely no one in, but she could hear the water running in the shower. Oh, and, she, and there was no water running in the shower, if you know what I mean, just yep. the sound. So she had the experiences. So now... Um, our other daughter lives up there, the one who works in the color shop. Now, which one's that? Karen. Karen, okay. And um, <laughs> she gets a presence that there's someone up there, but so far she doesn't like staying alone in the building. Um, I can understand. Yeah, yeah, she has a roommate. That's good. But um, she gets a little uneasy to spend. But the one, I don't know, I, I do... We haven't really tried to research that out, other than that what different people in Wilton tell us is uh, there were a few suicides downstairs. Men were put in these jail cells and they hung themselves or, you know, back in 18-something, they weren't too. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know who they are or what they are, but they seem to be men more than it's a strong presence of a man but we haven't even tried to find out. But that building, it's well known that that, that building, building has yeah, some... Yeah. interesting. I have to come over sometime. And there's uh, You just take people downstairs, uh, because Carl loves to show the old-fashioned jail cells off, and, and someday we were hoping to be able to redo the downstairs to expose them. Yeah. And people just say, I can't stand <laughs> <laughs> I feel awful. Let me out of here. And they do, and they go running up the steps. And then other people, it doesn't bother them. So I don't know. And these people, some salesman he's taken down there to go check, you know, different stock we have down, and they'll get so uncomfortable. They can't stay down there. Well, that's neat. So That really is neat. Well, that's a good story. That's worth looking into, too, if you can... It's hard to reconstruct a lot of this stuff. Yeah, probably, you know, um, as you well know, um, people didn't always write a lot of things down. No, and um, that's one of the. I can probably turn this off. After we had that experience, then I just figured, well, we thought, could it be the mother coming back? But I don't think. You see, they moved away from here. Mm. And the mother died, I think, in Hollis. I think I read that in here. I get all these dates and names. Yeah, and well, that's a lot. I don't want to be put down as... Uh, no, I can look it up in my... Yeah, you know. but it seems to me the mother wasn't here because they sold this house to um, the Rockwoods, and um, they moved off to Hollis, where Mr. Baldwin became a postmaster over there and selectman and... And she died in 1883. So I presume she died in Hollis. The mother. So I don't know whether spirits can go, whether they stay, or whether they travel. I don't know. I don't either. I don't know. 
I can't answer that one for you. It might be interesting to um, follow that along and find out what house they moved to. If it's still in Hollis, in yeah. Hollis, to I see don't, if it's still yeah, standing if and see could. if anything um, had happened there. Well, um, he married in 1825 Lucy, daughter of Benjamin and Anna Merrill Farley of Hollis, and the Farleys are a big family. Yeah. Hollis. And he died in Brookline in 1872, and she died in 1883, but they didn't live here. I don't know where he moved. Uh, but he died in Brookline. That's what it said. Huh. He, he evidently... And his son, which I thought was interesting, his son Luke Baldwin, he lives... He lived in the house where Bremers used to live on top of uh, Old Milford Road. Oh. And they're both buried here. And if you go down to the old cemetery, you can find their family plot. So. Hmm. Now, I, I don't remember whether I should go down and see if she's on that Mrs. Ben, Mrs. Baldwin is on there, right? but Lucy Ann is. Yeah, and it's written out, Lucy Ann. And they sold the house to the Rockwoods. That's yeah, Mr. Rockwood who died of typhoid. I believe it was typhoid. Yeah. He had a lot of children too. Did he? And three of his children died at that time. Well, that's interesting. Typhoid. Oh yeah, typhoid just about wiped. Um, towns and Brookline out. And if you go down and study, like the Shattuck family lost a lot to typhoid. And so it's, we'll just let this book stay with this house. As much as I'd love to keep it, to. I just don't feel, oh, it's mine to keep. Well, you can buy is, another copy for your son. Yeah. It looks like that one needs to be rebound a little yeah, bit. Mine's starting be. to fall apart. Yeah. Too. Well, this is just about how we found it, so because it <laughs> doesn't get used that much, but um, there was 55 or 60 acres went with this house, and um, all the way up to Averill Road, Averill Road, including the pond, and then over the years, I guess, in that time, houses depreciated. Mm -hmm. Well, they went down in value. Mm -hmm. And so I think in the records it said it cost Mr. Baldwin $4,500 to build this house with 15 acres of land. And then he acquired the rest of the land. Uh, and I think Mrs. Barnaby's house was the Tarbell house at the time. Okay. And that just had a small amount of land with it. Mm -hmm. And also... Um, the house where Irwin's lived were there, but they were the only two dwellings at the mm -hmm. time. And then he bought all the land. Well, then gradually the land was sold mm -hmm. uh, for this reason or that reason, and um, from the different owners. And finally, uh, Mr. Bathman, when they put the big route through, he let all the rest of the land go and just kept the two acres the house sets on now. So that was 
I would imagine probably the state took some of that when they put the road in it. Anyway. Oh, well, they did, yeah. They probably yeah. figured at that point, but... Right, but they're still, I mean, out of six, So that's when the Yankee Doodler and Bibco right. and, and right. all those places. Well, when we bought this place, Bibco's, it was a, there was no building there. That's still recent, isn't it? When we looked at it in, in February, there was no house, no building there. And then when we decided to come back and buy the house in the spring... There was a building there, and it was a chiropractor. And he and his three brothers, there was one, four brothers all together, and they were going to put in a big chiropractic, oh, with the pool and the therapy and all this, their dream. Because in Massachusetts, you could not practice it, so they went right over the border. Right. But then chiropractic techniques were made legal in Massachusetts, and they went back over the border. No, but their business went because so many more opened up, and yeah. then they just, I don't know, whatever happened to them, they sold to Bibco, which made us very upset, because to think that the town has allowed um, not just commercial, but um, the type of commercialism over there, it just kind of... Well, it's it's unfortunately right in your backyard. Right, it you is. Know. I mean, that's... And, uh, and you can't avoid looking at it. No, you can't. Yeah. But then again, that puts this piece of property in the same that's true. category. And if this piece... The bank even told us if this place is ever sold, the house will go and it'll probably be a McDonald's or some other foolish thing here. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> we need historical districts. <laughs> Well, I, I guess I, I, I don't know that I'd want to have to put white candles in my windows every Christmas because I don't. Think I think it don't has to be that. I, I, you know. I just, and I